and perhaps you saw the broadcast on uh, on Facebook. And if you didn't, it's still out there. You can also get the audio on our our our, uh, our website. But I'm going to do a little test here. So just checking. Um, Luke 17:32 says, "Remember." Lot's wife. Oh, that's pretty weak. I repeated that about five times in the beginning of my sermon. Okay, Luke 32, 17-32 says, Remember Lot's wife. Last week, Jesus, he was addressing the fact that there's going to be a period in his kingdom where he's not going to be here on the earth. The kingdom is moving forward, but the king is not here. And we wait for him to return. And he gives us instruction. He's saying, look, my kingdom is not a visible kingdom per se. The brick and the mortar is not my kingdom. The projectors are not my mortar. It is not my kingdom. It's in the hearts of men and women. Number two, don't be duped by those who say they know the time and the place of Jesus' return. Because his return will be universally seen just like lightning across the sky on the plains. And also, it's going to be sudden and unexpected. It's going to to be a time we don't expect him to return. And number five, to value his kingdom above all else. And the truth of the matter is that while we wait for Jesus, as we wait for him, we're going to experience a little bit of adversity. Maybe a lot of adversity, some opposition. Because, you know, there are a lot of people say, what does God have to say about my life? And don't bring that into my life. I don't want to hear that. And we also have a spiritual enemy who wants to oppose us, who wants to get us discouraged. So it is easy as we wait to get discouraged, to lose heart, to think that maybe God has just kind of forgotten about us or, or just left us out there as lambs to the slaughter to be pummeled by this world. And so it's into this, Jesus wants to speak these words of hope. If you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 18. Because this is really a continuation of waiting for Jesus to return. These are the words he wants to encourage us with about God's power and his hearing of us. So Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversity. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the corner of Kenosha and Valley High? 
Let me pray, and then we'll get into God's Word today. So, Lord, these are your words for us, therefore our, our good, and therefore the health of our soul, and therefore our hope in you. So, Lord, would you show us what you have for us today, and give us confidence and hope in what you want to do, you and your Heavenly Father. We're grateful, we're grateful, Lord Jesus, that we can say, because of you, it is well with our soul. And it's in your name I pray these things. Amen. So, I'm going to start with the real obvious, the big picture statement. Jesus, as we wait for him, is calling us to pray with persistence, to not give up, to not quit. Number one, he tells us to pray with persistence because he told us to. That's a good reason. Jesus the King, who brings the kingdom of God, who knows what we need, knows that we're going to experience adversity, knows that we're going to experience opposition, who experienced opposition and adversity himself, he tells us to do this, to pray with persistence. And let's face it, folks. Aren't there moments when you see the insurmountable odds coming your way and you want to give up? You don't want to, but you kind of say, what's the use? That's too much money. That's too much red tape. That's, there's no way that can physically happen. He gives us instruction not to give up. That this exercise in calling on God is not a vain exercise. That he actually hears us is going to do something. And it's not just us being able to get our concerns off of our chest. He's going to act. But again, we ought not be surprised if we experience opposition or adversity. Jesus says this in the Gospel of John, verse 33. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So, we need to, first of all, pray with persistence because Jesus, our King, told us to. But second of all, we should pray with persistence because it makes the weak powerful. Pray with persistence because it makes the weak powerful. You look at the parable that Jesus tells, right? In verse 2, you've got a certain judge who doesn't fear God and doesn't care what any man thinks. Now, some may mistake this for being someone who's impartial. No, he's not impartial. He's selfish. He doesn't care about anything but himself. What will advance his, his agenda. So if he can take advantage of it, he'll do that. But if it doesn't help him, eh, push it off. And then you've got this widow in verse 3. Who is the picture of vulnerability? Now folks, in the first century, being a widow was not a good thing. If you didn't have a son, a brother, a father, some male relative to take care of you when you were all alone by yourself, you were in a vulnerable position. You didn't have male protection, the justice system didn't actually, you know, show favor towards you. And in this situation, you've got 
a woman who's being taken advantage of. Maybe it's her financial resources are being taken from her. Her land maybe is being used. Maybe it's possessions. But she is vulnerable. And the limited possessions she has are being taken. She's this picture of vulnerability. So here you have a guy, a no-good judge, and you've got a woman who's very vulnerable. Okay? Now, let me just stop for a second. God cares for the weak and the vulnerable. He tells us that all through his word. I'm just going to do a sample size from Exodus 22, 22 through 24, where he commanded his people, do not take advantage of a widow or the fatherless. If you do, and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows, and your children fatherless. Do you think God is ambivalent about the weak? He's not. And if you want to get on his bad side, mess with the vulnerable. Mess with the weak. And God will come after you. He'll bring justice. But more so with this woman... Here's what's true. She has come to the end of herself. She has no more resources. All she can do is stand before this judge as an advocate and make her case. And it seems like a fool's errand because this guy doesn't care. Might as well give up. I want to ask a question. In your prayer life, is that how you view persistent prayer? What difference does it make? I just keep saying the same thing. Is it ever going to make a difference? And Jesus says, pray and don't give up. Pray with persistence. And in this case, in this story, this woman's persistence pays off. Not because the judge has a sudden change of heart. Not because he he has a heart of compassion towards this woman. Not because he's afraid of God now. He just does it out of selfish... He just doesn't... He's get tired of being badgered by this woman. She keeps coming to him. He's motivated by his self-interest. He says, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Now that's... I, I think that's a little bit of a... Interesting translation. I like the older NIV version that says, she is going to wear me out. Literally in the Greek it says, "Because so she won't beat me black and blue with her requests for vindication. This parable is about prayer. It's about not giving up, especially in the midst of injustice. But because of this, because there's a, a you know, encouragement to, to uh, pray with persistence, it implies that there's a delay, right? You're not getting the justice that you want. You're not getting what you're hoping is going to happen. And most of the time it's because God is doing something. There's a timing thing. And oftentimes, he's trying to do something in his people. 
Number one, sometimes he delays just because he wants us to keep our eyes on him. He wants us to be continually dependent upon him. He's saying, I need you to to know that I am your life. I'm the one who's going to deal with this. You know, oftentimes when we talk about prayer and effective prayer, this is one of the verses we quote. It's out of James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah, he was a human being, uh, even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Okay? So that's kind of the, the quick summation of that. But you know when Elijah prays for it to rain, he has to do so seven times. He has to keep going back to God to, I guess, remind us and remind Elijah, it's not your prayers, Elijah. It's me, the living God, who holds the weather. And to keep us dependent upon him. I think there's a good, healthy part of that. But sometimes he delays just because he's trying to do something in us. Jim Kluth preached about Joseph, the son of Jacob, earlier this actually at the end of last year. And if you know the story, it's interesting. It's a story full of injustice, right? (laughs) Being sold into slavery by his own brothers. Comes into a household, does nothing but good, and then is falsely accused by his master's wife. Comes to jail, helps out some people, and is forgotten. And I'm sure Joseph was aware that God was listening. And I'm sure he was crying out to him, God, God, remember that dream you gave me? Uh, When's that coming to fruition? Right? He's 17 when he's sold into slavery. 13 years he waits. And then one day he's called before Pharaoh. And at the end of that day, he becomes vice Pharaoh. From prisoner to vice Pharaoh. Think about this. If somewhere along the way he had gotten justice from the false accusation, from being forgotten, he probably never would have become vice pharaoh of the land. God delays oftentimes because he's doing something, changing a trajectory. There's a man named Raleigh Washington who was my pastor in Chicago. And Raleigh has an interesting story. Raleigh was a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. He was African-American. And he was on the upward trajectory, probably heading towards becoming a general. But somewhere along the way, some people didn't like him. And he was falsely accused of sexual harassment. And all he could do was stand there and say, no, I didn't do it. The government tried to make a, a... a, a plea deal with him, saying, look, just, just, you know, say you did it and we'll give you your benefits and let you retire and yada, yada, yada. But he, and, and at this point, God had gotten a hold of his life in the army, okay? And was moving him more and more towards ministry. And at this point in, in the adjudication, he'd actually thought about going to seminary. And Raleigh and his wife, Paulette, got together and said, 
what do we do? I said, we can't, we can't say I did this because I didn't. And that put a black eye on God's name. And so they didn't. And so the government cut them off. And there was Raleigh, his wife, four kids, trying to go to seminary. But somehow God met them. And eventually Raleigh planted a church in the heart of Chicago called the Rock of Our Salvation. Became a church that really became a beacon of how to handle racial reconciliation. I had the privilege to attend that church for three years while I was in Chicago. But here's the rest of the story. Over time, God actually called Raleigh to be the president of Promise Keepers. After Coach McCartney handed handed off the, the reins to Raleigh. But also, he was exonerated of his charges. He raised, God raised up a man to, to take his part and defend Raleigh, and eventually they confessed that they were false accusations. Raleigh was reinstated for one day as a lieutenant colonel, and he says he st- as he stopped at the, at the gate of the army post, he made the, the sentry there just hold that salute just an extra second. But God restored him. But let me tell you this. If, if Roy had not suffered that injustice, he would have remained in the army. God had to change his trajectory by letting him experience that injustice to get him to where he needed to be. Raleigh just recently retired as the president of Promise Keepers with honor and faithfulness. So sometimes God lets us experience injustice to do something of a greater good. Even the gospel. Jesus, our Lord, who was innocent, had to have his justice delayed as he goes to the cross. So that the justice that was due us would fall upon him. And he's going to come back, and every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he will get his full due, that's due his name. But sometimes God delays because he's doing something. Well, we need to continue. We need to pray with persistence. We need to not give up. We need to not quit. And this is very important. And this is, this is important for a lot of things as far as our faith is concerned. We need to pray with persistence because of God's character. We need to pray with persistence because of God's character. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, this is Jesus, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? He will keep Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Jesus, in using this parable, is pointing from the lesser, this unjust, selfish judge, to the greater. The holy God who is the judge of all the earth, whose justice is the very heart of his character. God is just. And he does not wink at sin. He doesn't just let it go by. That's why Jesus had to come. Because without him, there were there was no remission from sins. And he doesn't pretend like sin doesn't exist. And he says he's going to vindicate his chosen ones, those who are in Christ, because 
That's who God is. He's a God of justice. He says he will see that they get justice quickly. Now let me say quickly is a relative term. Because God sometimes sees things in the light of eternity. I think it's better for us to understand quickly as certain. It's going to come for certain. But justice is a, is a tricky thing, isn't it? Especially when we've been offended. Because the truth of the matter is, is, as we stand before holy God, each one of us stands condemned on our own. We've all done, we've offended a holy God and we deserve his justice, his wrath for eternity. But again, God in his mercy sends his son to take upon himself our wrath. So the question is, as we're hurt, as we're offended, as we are having, you know, injustice perpetrated upon us, how should we act? How should we respond? The Apostle Paul, I think really, Jesus said similar things, but the Apostle Paul does a great job in saying in Romans 12, Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy, that person who's offended you, is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That phrase, heaping burning coals on, on his head, her head, by kindness. It clears the way, folks, for repentance and redemption. Because I don't know too many people who have this story. You know, I was really mean to a Christian. I really persecuted him or her. And then they took revenge and it made me turn to Jesus doesn't happen that way. No, it's, no, I saw grace and forgiveness in them. I said, what is causing this person to respond to me this way? With kindness, with love, with goodness. God's timing or delay even of bringing justice is for the possibility of repentance. If Saul of Tarsus was judged right away for holding the cloaks of the people who stoned Stephen, he would never become Paul, the greatest apostle who helped reach the world with the gospel. I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. When I was in North Platte, Nebraska, there was this old crusty cop named Sam Secord. His wife, Velda, was part of our church. His, one of his grown sons was a, a believer as well. But Sam was a jerk. He used to make fun of Velda and his son for being followers of Jesus. He used to accuse them of being naive and sheep. And people kept bringing the gospel to him. And Velda kept praying for him over 40 years. And then, then Sam had a scare with his health. And one of our pastors, Albert, Albert Newfeld, came in and shared the gospel with us one time. And he said, 
Well, Sam, are you ready to accept Christ? He says, Albert, I think I am. And he put his faith in Jesus. And let me tell you, it transformed that crusty old cop. It was amazing. Because all of a sudden, this guy who was cynical, who was mean-spirited, he had the love of Christ in him. And he said, you know, if I knew following Jesus was this much fun, I would have done so years ago. And I want to tell you, Sam had an audience of people he could reach because he, he came from that background. He reached people and said, you know what, I used to be like you. I used to be cynical. But you know what, Jesus changed me. And he's given me life. And Sam only had four to five years after that. And he died. But what a change. See, God didn't bring the smackdown on Sam, even though he deserved it, because he was going to change him and make him a trophy of his grace and use him. And let me say, not every story ends like that. And you know what? If your offenders don't repent, God will deal with it. He will deal with it. He'll bring justice and he'll do so much better than we could. But we need to pray with persistence because God is not going to leave justice undone. He is a just God. That's who he is. And last of all, we need to pray with persistence because it's the heartfelt expression of holding on to God. We need to, we need to pray with persistence because it's the heartfelt expression of holding on to God. Look at the end of verse 8. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus has told us, look, I'm going to bring, my Father's going to bring justice, and I'm coming back. And every man, every woman will have to account for what they did. They'll either receive justice for what they did on their own, or they'll receive, or they'll receive the justice that I took upon myself. And they won't. They'll have an identity and a life of eternity. But it's taking him at his word. Believing that God hears our prayers. Believing he's going to do something. Believing that he's going to make it right. And I'm going to tell you folks, if you'll do this, I don't say, I don't say you're going to see every prayer answered in your timing, but he's going to answer. You're going to see God at work. You're going to see God doing things that if we just let it go without calling on him, um, he's going to show himself there. And folks, there are going to be moments of delay. There are going to be times, it might be 40 years before you see the answer to your prayer. But God is doing something. And that delay sometimes is purifying our hearts, our motives, but it's also a chance to trust him with his exact timing. You know, I, I look at waiting on God sometimes as sitting at a, at a crossroads where you've got a train passing you, right? And all you can see are the cars that are in front of you. And you think that's, the, that's what life is relegated to. And maybe it's a really bad, rusty car. Maybe it's something that you just think is really unpleasant. But God sees the whole train. He sees it all. He sees exactly what he's going to do. 
and we need to trust him with that. And folks, let me tell you, if you give up, if you stop calling on God, I don't know, maybe it's less painful, maybe it's less disappointing at times, but I think it just relegates us to lose heart, sometimes become bitter, angry, cynical, depressed, because God really does want to answer us in his perfect timing. And I think when we do that, we will miss the hand of God. Ultimately, Jesus is commanding this to keep our hearts full of faith and to keep us faithful. To keep our hearts full of faith that he's going to do something and to keep us faithful, to keep pursuing him, to keep our eyes fixed on him as we wait for his return. So, folks, Jesus' word to us is to pray with persistence. Pray with persistence. Because he is faithful. And because he's coming again. Don't give up. Let me pray and then I'll have the worship team close us this morning. Jesus, these are words that are good for us. And there are moments where we can't see how your hand is at work. We can't see what your Father is doing. But our God is a good God. And our God is a powerful God and a sovereign God. And you're going to bring about your good result. So God, would you give us grace, even when we can't see exactly what you're doing, to trust you, to pray with persistence, and not give up. Lord Jesus, it's your name I pray these things. Amen.